EasyPay provide funding, payroll and back office services to support the recruitment industry. Go to easypayservices.co.uk forward slash rec live lounge. Recruiters Live Lounge. Lounge.com, where you get to hang out with the most inspiring recruitment business leaders on the planet. Hosted by Roy Ripper. Hey everyone, welcome back to Recruiters Live Lounge, where you get to meet and hang out with some of the most inspiring recruitment entrepreneurs on the planet, okay? Um, and today's Live Lounge guest is Mr. Amit Sameya. Um, Now, Amit is the CEO at IMS People based in India. Uh, I'm going to tell you a little bit about Amit. Uh, with over 16 years extensive recruitment experience in Europe, the Middle East, Africa, Asia and North America, working both with agencies and corporates, Amit has a unique perspective on recruitment, global migration and outsourcing. He travels extensively in both developed countries and developing countries to understand the trends and the influences of the recruitment industry. This guy's got a really unique kind of insight into the recruitment industry that I love listening to and I know that you will too. Amit's known within IMS for his hands-on approach in delivering commercial projects and for his vision to achieve global recognition for continuous innovation. Amit, I think, or I hope I've got all of that right. How's it going? Well, I'm quite flattered, Roy. Uh, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's great to actually be acknowledged like this. So thank you for that. <laughs> this is my absolute pleasure. I know there's a lot of people that are really looking forward to this interview. You're somebody that we've wanted to get on for a long time. So uh, we're glad that we finally landed you. Um, Amit, before we get going, uh, please tell us a bit about the work that uh, that you guys do at IMS People. Um, yes, Roy. So our business is actually in the offshore recruitment space. Um, we started the organization way back in 2006. And um, we wanted to do something in recruitment but it was to be meant to be something specialized and a niche business model. And we thought of supporting recruitment and staffing firms rather than being a recruitment company ourselves. And we went on to support businesses, recruitment businesses back in the UK markets in the initial years. And from there on, the business has actually grown. Uh, we started supporting recruitment and staffing companies in Australia and the New Zealand markets. And today, um, our services are present in North America as well. Uh, we support more than 130 different recruitment and staffing brands. Wow. wow. And um, we've got a team of uh, more than 500 recruiters now back with us in India. And they're working across diverse verticals, engineering, IT, healthcare, um, the energy sector as well. So that's what you know, IMS uh, really does. It's actually a recruiter for a recruitment company. That's what we basically do. Amit, that's amazing. And I know the quality of the work from IMS people is, is really high. To have grown a business in that size and be servicing that many people across so many different sectors, uh, across so many different continents as well. I, I, you know, 
the recruitment industry is is fairly, I think, unforgiving. And what I mean by that is, uh, if the quality wasn't there, then you know there wouldn't be customers for any of us. So. Uh, you know, it's it's very very clear to me that for IMS people, your growth that you've gone through, phenomenal growth that you've gone through, uh, there's some really solid reasons behind that happening. So thank you. I'm really pleased that you're here with us today. Thank you. Thank you. Brilliant. Listen, Amit, I want to get into this with you straight away, and uh, I know that you're a fan of Recruiters Live Lounge. You know that the first question I'm going to ask you is your favorite success quote and how you apply that to your business every day this is something which i heard when i was uh, in my management school okay and uh, one of the professors over there you know mentioned to me and said uh, you know the do not mistake that the destination is you know a final resting point okay and do not consider the journey to be, you know, a small feat or achievement. In other words, your journey is actually your destination. Yeah. Now, in those days, you know, that sort of, it sounded more like a cliche. <laughs> and I was not too sure what that really meant. But like any good student, we just nod to a professor and say, yeah, I got that. <laughs> I never really got that. Um, but that's something which sort of, you know, stuck by there with me. And over the years, I started using it with some of my management team. And now I think, you know, uh, where I am in life with the, uh, you know, the achievements which you made in business and where I am in my personal life with my family, sure. I sort of get it that the journey is actually the destination. Yeah. So I think uh, that's probably the best quote which sort of, really inspires me and stays by with me. And, I mean, I love that one. I really do. And and um, uh, it's, it sounds like a very wise professor to me that, uh, that you had. But <laughs> I, I've heard the quote in different forms, but never quite as clear as that. But it's that whole thing, isn't it? That, that actually the, the, the experience of the journey um, is is the thing. And I'm reminded, yeah, I'm reminded, you know, not only in business, but uh, of, of, you know, life in general. People, I remember when I had my um, ch children, you know, when my children were first born, people said, oh, you know, make the most of it because this time goes really quick. And, uh, you know, as a parent you know, yourself, you, you, you'll know this. I sometimes maybe wish that time away. I'm like, oh, I wish they could, I wish they weren't babies or I wish they were older. I, you know, I wish I could have this conversation with them. But it's amazing how very quickly, how rapidly that time goes. And unless you are enjoying the, the journey, um, I, I think it's it's too short a period, i.e. that you can look back and it's, oh my goodness, that, that amount of time has lapsed. So exactly. I love that quote, I really do. And the other thing about that is, you know, people tend to focus on the end goal. Yeah. And, you know, they say, okay, fine, if I've got X amount of money, that's when I'm going to do this. Yeah. Or when I've got this Y type of home, that's when I'm going to actually throw a party. Sure. Those destinations never arrive, right? Yeah. And you lose out on the day-to-day -day happiness of life. So in one sense, I feel blessed that whatever my prof said, he told it to me you know, quite early in my stage of life. Sure. And uh, that's what I really believe in. You know, enjoy the journey while it's it's going on. That's all. 
I love that's it in life yeah I really like that I really like that one you've reminded me of it which is good um Amit, we know in the live lounge that behind every successful entrepreneur, there's generally been some adversity. What would you describe as your biggest failure in business? Well, I guess um, it is um, the biggest failure, uh, I believe, is when you misread the market. Okay. Especially when you are uh, bringing in an innovation. What tends to happen is, I mean, in the case of IMS as well, when we brought about the offshore recruitment bit, it was an innovation in a sense. You're actually sitting thousands of kilometers away uh, from potential recruitment and staffing firms. You are doing the work back in India mm. and you are endeavoring to find candidates for them, which in one sense they are not able to locate. So it's 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 a big deal to you know achieve that. And... I guess, you know, the reading of the market was very critical for us. And the earlier challenges which we faced, the failures which we faced was our interpretation as to how the market is going to accept the services. When somebody really innovates, he is passionate about that innovation and they, at times, um, do not see what lies beyond what they are creating. So they do not take views and feedback from the users of that innovation and as a result the innovation can actually become a big white elephant and not really deliver so we had turbulent times within IMS as well Mm -hmm. Uh, I believe those formative years were you know quite challenging for us Um, fine-tuning the product understanding what the market really needed understanding the clients perception and then sort of reinventing what we had invented eventually to get there so that's that I believe was the biggest struggle for me so there were uh, some days wherein I really thought is this really going to work so but you know one is the faith that we are doing the right stuff and we are working hard we are in integrity and the second one was the logical reason that this really makes sense so we are not really taking some of the boxes so we got some of the formulas in place and I believe as we started, you know, talking to more customers, more clients who came on board in the early stages, we cracked the deal. And that's why, you know, we are growing at this pace today. It's fantastic, Amit. I, I, you know what, it's interesting as well. I hadn't thought about it in, in those terms that often as innovators, you know, breaking new ground that other people, you know, haven't even thought of. Um, it takes a while for the market to catch up with it. And, uh, you know, I know from personal experience, sometimes when you are that innovator, you look around and and you're struggling to get some uh, people to, uh, you know, either buy the technology or the, you know, the, the, the service that you're providing. And it's really easy to start questioning yourself. You know, it's really easy. Have we got it right? And, um, it's very easy when the market's not caught up to have those doubts. And then when it's endorsed, when finally that message gets through and, uh, you know, and, and you, you realize, actually, you know something, we've created something quite special here. Uh, it, it's so rewarding. It sounds like, you know, you guys there, that's exactly the experience for you. Exactly. That's right. I love that. I really, really love that. Okay. Um, 
Amit, what was your eureka moment? I mean, you've worked in recruitment for many, many years. What was the eureka moment, either, I don't know, in your previous recruiting experience or at IMS people, where suddenly the light bulb goes on and uh, everything clicks into place and all of a sudden, whoosh, you know, we're going forward. What was that moment for you? That's a difficult one, Roy. Uh, you know, I think, uh, well, I, I really don't remember when that Eureka moment came in. Okay. But probably it's, uh, it would have been uh, a series of interconnected events. You can actually, I would consider them to be, you know, my Eureka moment. It was way back in 2005 and we were actually uh, you know developing softwares at that point in time and um, so the software which we were developing was for the recruitment industry and uh, we sort of started analyzing a lot of softwares which are present in the international markets okay. so we took naturally to the UK uh, saw a couple of products over there and we tried to study those products and say okay what can we actually develop you know back over here in India sure. so that's what we were doing it was at that point in time wherein we spoke to a couple of recruiters back in UK and UK was actually having a good time those were the good days for the recruitment industry and mm. I'm talking the age the, the years between 2005 to 2008 was yeah. the golden years of the recruitment industry and at that point in time, you know, recruitment companies were extremely busy. They had really no time to speak to us. And I sort of quiz them and I say, you guys are really busy. Business must be re doing pretty well for you guys. So I, I remember that one of them gave me an answer and said, you know, we've got so much work to do. We've got so many vacancies, but we do not have sufficient recruiters. Yeah. If we had a recruiter today, if we had 10 recruiters today, we would hire them. Unfortunately, it's very difficult to get recruiters over here in London. Uh, even if we get somebody, we, you know, by the time we train them and they start becoming productive, there's a lot of time. And thirdly, they're very expensive. I said, okay, I get that. And then I really went back. But I got that three or six months later. Right. And I said, over here, there is work to be done and they don't have recruiters mm. and we can actually provide that solution back over here in India. We can actually provide them recruiters and we can do it in an offshore space. So they really don't need to worry about the training, the orientation, the induction, the cost. Mm. And that probably was where I said, OK, fine, let's provide an offshore recruitment service. And that was the birth of IMS. Brilliant, Amit. And I love the fact that it wasn't, as you said, a eureka moment. It was a passage of time. And I think sometimes the best ideas are ones that evolve over over a period. Yeah. But even even so, it's interesting, isn't it? Because the, the, the challenge that those recruiters described to you back in 2005, I would say to you are perennial challenges for most recruitment business owners worldwide you know certainly the people that i speak to and coach uh if i had a a pound for every time somebody said oh roy you know we're looking to to recruit more staff who do you know which is a great question yeah. to ask um it's the perennial challenge isn't it everybody's experiencing that but for somebody to put that together and say you know something it's like everyone's looking for them 
but actually we we could be sitting on a, a resource that could take care of that um it, it, it's that true entrepreneurial spirit it's somebody that spots an opportunity in the market and then actually you know uh, bring something to market to uh, to to answer that i i really really like that i love the fact that it wasn't a moment in time as well um amit tell me what do you do uh, personally and consistently on a daily basis to set yourself up you know is there a morning routine for amit and and uh, what what do you do well uh, i did different things at different point in time so today it's quite different okay uh, the organization has become quite large so there are a lot of there's quite some senior talent inside the organization to take care of the day-to-day routine and the operations in the business development. My role, uh, if you see generally, is more about uh, building relations with our key clients or strategic clients uh, in business development. In terms of the day-to-day routine, what really ticks me off is uh, uh, people engagement. Uh, So I you know, I have got a schedule and I review my managers on a week to week basis. So there is one manager who comes in each week and I sort of drill down that manager's division till sort of, you know, the only thing which is left is the bone. Right. So I get to that review and I understand what's really happening in the business and then off they go. They are off to the next week or maybe the next fortnight. So that's how, uh, you know, my um, scheduling actually goes. Um, and I'm a very, well, I describe myself as a quite a methodical person. So keeping notes uh, of what's really been discussed on a week to week, on a fortnight to fortnight basis. So that's really my routine. So it's people engagement and reviews. That's all what I do now. And of course, building relationship with our strategic clients. It's funny, I, mean, I was speaking with um, another CEO uh, just this week and was asking him the same I was asking him the question about what does he do on a day-to-day basis and he described his role as business development Uh, his company isn't the size of yours it's a fairly large company but not the size of yours but he said look as the CEO um, you know like you I've got people around me that that run the business that uh, you know hands-on they're engaged with the business and they have many reports into them he said I see my and so people actually in our business that are better than me at you know these things they're specialists within these these pieces um he said but my primary role is is business development i asked him to explain that and he said you know it is about um nurturing relationships uh, with our existing clients and and uh you know forming strategic partnerships and alliances uh, with other companies, companies like ours and companies that we want to align to. Um, and I love that. You know, I, I think sometimes the role of a CEO uh, in some companies it isn't as clearly defined. And he had a very, very like you, a really clear definition of uh, what his, his role and his value to that business was. Um, I'm also keen, Amit, I know, uh, you know, in fact, the question that I think a lot of people are going to be asking is, Amit's got this, you know, this organization you mentioned earlier on, how many floors there of of people? How many, sorry? Six floors. floors, Um, So you've got all of this, uh, you know, around you. I I think the, the, the thing that people will really want to ask is, you know, how does Amit get his day set up? So, 
you know, is there a routine for you at home that you maybe go through? And and what are the challenges? There's a challenge in running any business, but what are the challenges of running a business that are, you know, 500 plus people? So there is a unique set of challenge which we face in our business. And I consider it unique because I doubt any other recruitment company really has that. And the reason is because our offices are 24 by 7, 365 days a year. Right. So, for example, we do work in Middle East and Africa as well. So my Middle East team would actually be working on a Saturday, Sunday. They would take Fridays off. Okay. We work uh, Australian shifts. So office actually starts off like 4.35 in the morning. And uh, the, the African and Middle East shift comes in at around 10 in the morning. My UK shift comes in at around 1 in the afternoon. And my US shift comes in around seven in the evening. They do like a graveyard shift as sure. to what we call it. And so the, the most difficult part of the business, I believe, is actually being in contact with our managers because they are working these shifts yeah. around the clock. So my reviews sometimes are late nights, sure. early sure. mornings, uh, sometimes mid-afternoons. My wife gets crazy and she says, what business are you in? You know, I really don't understand. You know, you're never home in the mornings. You're never home at night. So I think that's a, that's a, that's a business challenge, you know, which we face. Yeah. Um, so that's something unique. So I, and the way to actually manage that is scheduling. Yeah. So yeah. what I do or some of my managers do is actually scheduling ourselves um, two weeks nights, then again two weeks in the mornings. So that's how we sort of rotate ourselves and ensure that we are covering up different aspects and different areas of the business. I, thank you, Amit. And it's interesting because I, I, you know, I can see. I was asking you that question: How do you set yourself up? You know, what's your morning routine? But you're absolutely right. The unique aspect of IMS people is that. Roy, it, there's always a morning. It's like there's a morning for any one of my shift teams and any one of my clients. So um, I get that. And I also see also that the knowledge takeaway for me is the to run something like that, scheduling must be almost military in its precision, I would, I would have thought. Oh, yes. I, I, probably if you, you know, some of the answers or most of the answers you might get from a recruitment or a staffing firm are, okay, we have... We get in on a Monday and we got our Monday meetings and we huddle up our entire yes. team and we ask what's really happening on the vacancies and we say, go, go, go. Yeah. And on Friday, you know, we try to end up early so we can go out and hang at the bar and say, okay, one great week done. This is the revenue garden and let's move on to the next week. Really, in our case, uh, we we don't go to sleep. No. It's 24 by 7. So by the time I'm done with UK and I'm about to leave for the day, you know, it's possible that some of my US teams will come in and say, oh, we've got a challenge over here. Yeah. And we need your, you know, point of view as to what we can actually do inside the business. Sure. So it's a very different, uh, you know, way actually we manage the business. Fortunately for me, you know, I, I mean, Roy, when I started this work, we had four recruiters inside the organization. Wow. I started it probably in a room which was twice this size. So at that point in time, I did totally different stuff. I was the recruiter. I used to do the stuff. We grew to 
50 people and I did a totally different stuff. I was managing a team of 15, 20 recruiters. There was somebody else who was managing the rest of the recruiters. And we were going out, getting clients, you know, delivering the vacancies. So we were actually doing the stuff which a manager or a senior manager would actually do. Sure. For a period of time, you know, the business has grown to such an extent now. And I agree with you. There are people inside the organization who do far better recruitment than I do. Uh, what I do better now is actually thinking. Yeah. So I think, you know, one of the challenges which we have in innovation is innovation is also very short-lived. Mm. You develop an iPhone and then suddenly a couple of years or quarters down the line, somebody else is going to come out with a better product. Mm. And, you know, it's also possible they'll come out with something which is far more cost effective. So you need to keep on upping your game yeah and that's where uh, i spend considerable amount of my time today thinking as to what can we do differently inside the business to change the dynamics to change our structures to make it more proficient to to bring in some different level of services so we can uh, insulate ourselves from you know the business risks which our business model is in today mm. so that's where uh, some of the time goes so uh, really uh, it is structured in one sense, but it can also be very haphazard in the other sense. Some days you're just sitting and scratching your head because things are there on the floor and the it's like a stock market environment. People are just working. The managers are all dwelled in. You really don't want to call them because they are in their job. So you just think, okay, fine. What can I actually do different? So come next Monday, we've got some positive to actually go back and sell to our clients. Fantastic, absolutely fantastic uh, lessons there, I think, Amit, for a lot of recruiters that aren't quite at, at the stage that you are, but uh, recruitment business owners, but that you know want to scale their businesses. And you mentioned there the transition from being the, you know, the startup business with four recruiters to uh, in, in a relatively short space of time to 50 and how that role changed for you. Uh, and then the various stages to you know to, to the current uh, setup that you have, and how your role has changed. But it's interesting because that innovation piece must have always been there. That must have been the constant for you. That even yes. though your roles have changed, you've always been the one that's had to maybe uh, you know be thinking two steps ahead of not only your current setup but your clients and and, and uh, the clients that you deal with. Yes. That's okay. right. Brilliant. Thank you so much. A real lesson. Um, Amit, what do you see as your biggest strength as a, a an entrepreneur and conversely, your greatest weakness, if you don't mind me asking? Sure. Uh, I believe as an entrepreneur, my biggest strength is I'm coachable. Wow. Uh, so you actually take in your defeats, your failures, you learn from it. Uh, you listen to your customers. You listen to people who actually say you're doing bad job because that really helps us to go back, correct what we are doing. So I believe uh, my biggest strength as an entrepreneur is being coachable. Mm. Um, my biggest weakness, uh, okay, um, yeah, so there is, uh, there are quite some. <laughs> but I think what's pertinent is uh, uh, I'm a workaholic. I used to be a workaholic. That's That was my biggest weakness. I'm actually addressing that at the moment. Good. And uh, 
why I say that is, you know, I used to have even weekends back in the office and I used to take my work back home and then I used to sleep in the office during nights and just go back home and, you know, freshen up, change of clothes and you're back in office. So I did that. I mean, the need of the business was there and I did that. Sure. But what I realized is that um, there is far more to life than work. Mm. And, uh, you know, the same stuff, the journey is the destination mm. really came back. And so in one sense, that's where I sort of need to catch myself. I can get onto a project and I believe I've got, you know, a lot of energy to keep on going. Sure. But then I just need to keep on checking my watch and say, oh, it's time to go back home. Somebody's waiting for me. I, I was going to say, I, I bet your wife is pleased that you had that revelation. Better, better late <laughs> than never, right? <laughs> um, thank you, Amit. And again, a really, really valuable lesson for people that you know it, it is important to enjoy that journey again. This is the theme of your, you know, the advice from that professor that the journey is the piece and that includes you know a, a real holistic view of everything it's not just about your business but the business is nothing without the support of you know family and friends and a life etc so as entrepreneurs you know yeah there are times when we have to dig deep and we pull the double shift and you know you you, you do you pull an all nighter or you work all weekend to get something done but recognizing that we're sharper, we're, we're more uh, effective when everything is ticking along in, in our lives, business, you know, uh, personal life, etc. So um, thank you for that real, real lesson. Um, Amit, I, as somebody who I've respected for a number of years, somebody who I know it has uniquely, actually, there's very, very few people in our industry that have got the unique insight that you have in that you are looking at the recruitment industry globally. Um, you know, you, as you've said, you are dealing with <clears throat> recruitment businesses in the UK, in North America, in Africa, the Middle East, Australasia. Um, because of that insight, I think a lot of people are going to be really interested in your answer to my next question, which is right. to get you to look into that crystal ball of yours and determine how you see the recruitment industry developing over the next five years? <clears throat> that one, well, if you're gonna put your money on it, let it not be on my answer. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, I'll just share insights what I'm seeing in different uh, regions. Please. Probably let's as to a cue or a sense of where the industry is heading towards. Okay. Let's take a look at North America. If you see the North American markets, uh, you know, the last 10 years, they have transformed their recruitment and staffing world, primarily the IT and the engineering sector, mm -hmm. with the advent of the vendor management system and the managed service providers. Yeah. Close to 60% of, you know, their uh, recruitment staffing businesses is actually expected to be through the VMS and the MSV space. Now, what has happened is they have sort of made recruitment just a transaction. Mm. You're working on systems, you are no longer in contact or in relationship with the hiring manager. Yeah. So you are bidding on a system, you got the rates out over there. So it's the fastest fingers first and it's 
uh, you know, the most competitive or the most cost-effective rates which actually win at the end of the day. Yeah. So technology has come in to such a great extent, sort of marginalizing whatever, you know, um, value add that recruitment companies uh, had been putting in uh, earlier on. Mm. Uh, so that's the North American part of the business or the industry. And I believe, um, you know, that region is always at the cusp of innovation as far as, you know, recruitment and staffing is concerned. For sure. Um, we we visit the U.S. quite frequently. We are out there on conferences and wherever we go, uh, wherever we are attending, you know, there are conversations now about artificial intelligence coming into recruitment. There are conversations about robotics coming inside the recruitment business. Mm. So they have taken recruitment already to the next realm. Mm. And that's what they believe is the future. And... Uh, Already, there are a lot of business models out over there which are technology-based, like what uh, you know Uber has actually done to taxi drivers uh, or the taxi business back in the you know in the Western markets. Mm. Um, you've got Elance or Freelance, which has started coming on the horizon, and they are doing phenomenal business. I mean, right. if you actually just look at the growth of the cloud-based recruitment business models. It has been phenomenal. And yeah. today, analysts are actually tracking that industry more totally differently. Mm. So that's that's something which is already happening in the fringe of our recruitment universe. And it's mm. just out there. At a point in time, it's going to come in and hit us. I don't know when and where, but it's, it's there. It's visible now. Let's take a look at the UK uh, or the European markets. I mm. mean, our experience is primarily in the English-speaking belt. But if you actually take a... A look at UK my assessment is they've always remained traditional mm. I mean compared to their counterparts in uh, um, US um, they tend to evaluate technology and embrace technology and they take slightly longer time to do so <laughs> and as a result um, uh, you know, we still have old systems or old ways and means of actually doing business. Yeah. And I've seen sometimes recruitment companies which still hold on to their earlier business models, um, you know, expecting that, you know, that those old days are just going to come back. Yeah. So I find them on a scale of one to 10, I would say that they are, they are lesser able to embrace innovation. Yeah. If I take ourselves back to the Australian markets, uh, it is it is an irony. You know, the Australian markets, if you talk locally to any Australian out over there, they say we've got more of an American culture. Mm. If you actually see the recruitment industry, it has got an influx of a lot of recruiters mm. who come down south and they believe, you know, I mean, a lot of recruitment business owners, entrepreneurs, recruiters themselves have actually migrated out there mm. and have a lot of businesses. So they come from the same prodigy of, you know, the genetics is the same as as in the UK recruitment businesses. Sure. Same, uh, lesser able to embrace innovation. That's what my statement would be. Right. Uh, but I'm not too worried about Australia because that market size compared to what UK or US is, is comparatively smaller. Uh, that business is primarily in the energy sector, the mining sector, as we call it, mm. uh, accounting, IT, finance. That's what their other business, uh, you know, industries are. 
if it if we take a look at middle east and uh, africa yeah then it's a totally different world and so if, i mean if on a scale of 1 to 10 if if us is 8 or 9 i would say uk is 6 or 7 and then i would say that australia on that cusp of innovation is 4 or 5 and where would i put middle east so middle east is a totally different animal altogether you know that region really has dearth of talent mm. the way the entire uh, region has been constructed in terms of you know the various um, countries out over there and they need talent to be imported from different parts of the world to support the investments which they are making to develop their countries yeah having their infrastructure which they are taking to the to the highest class or the highest level which we have ever seen and there is a lot of influx of you know foreigners into those markets mm. so that business model is totally different it's about ensuring that we bring expatriates or ensuring that we bring global workforce and managing those workforce and managing those compliances and the logistics of the people on the ground mm. take a look at africa for a moment our operation in africa is in east and west so we work in countries like tanzania kenya uganda mozambique if you go on the western side it's nigeria ghana and that world is so different mm. I need I schedule a meeting if I'm there in UK or in US and it needs to be a month in advance or a couple of weeks in advance. Wow. And if I'm going across to Africa, I need to walk in because you don't even know whether the person or the manager is going to be there whom you're going to meet. <laughs> when you go in for a meeting, you know, he's going to talk about life and how how the world is and what's really happening in your family. Let's go out for a lunch. We'll talk about business. We've got the entire day waiting for us. So why really, you know, so the speed of the you know the velocity of business is in a different tangent in all these countries yeah recruitment yeah. over there is also totally different so trust me you know it's like actually on one hand it's like a boiling frying pan yes and on the other hand it's ice cold <laughs> and totally you know different markets so when you have visited us one month and you go across to africa the other month you come back scratching are we really on the cusp of innovation or are we still in the old days <laughs> recruitment where relationship works where you really need to sit with the hiring manager where you need to entertain him out for couple of drinks or a dinner and you actually get the projects at the end of the day yeah totally different market totally different world Bro- so that's what we really have within ims and that's another challenge you know ensuring we that we set up our teams we train culturally as 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 well as from the compliance and the local regulations as well as the local uh, nuances so they are able to match pace with whatever is the recruitment need of that country that's brilliant and you know what a what an insight amit it, it's so interesting because you know i i serve a global market uh similar in size to yours you know in, in terms of uh, recruiters and and recruitment business owners on every continent but actually uh just to have somebody explain that to me because you know I'm often asked Roy you know what's the difference between these different cultures and 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 how and and essentially I'll say to them well you know something recruitment recruitment skills are universal good recruitment skills or best recruitment practices universal 
But you're absolutely right. You know, it's interesting that um, your, your point there about Australasia, the only thing that I would disagree with uh, on you, and, and, you know, you know most of everything you say, I, I follow like a hawk. But um, with the Australians, the only thing that I did find is, yes, there is, you know, there's a lot of uh, Europeans, primarily UK uh, recruitment people going to Australia. But I find the Australians... Uh, willing and uh, open to n new technology, new ways. It's almost like they are that, you know, polarised, I suppose, but that whole XY generation thing, it's okay. like our younger... And, you know, I don't want to kind of put it into, into you know, th those sorts of terms, but it does feel sometimes like a younger relative that that will listen, whereas sometimes... You know, in our in our UK or European based markets, more traditional markets, it's like one of my older relatives that doesn't want to be told. So <laughs> <laughs> it feels like that. But I love your description of the African uh, recruitment businesses as well. I, I deal with some African businesses and um, it's really interesting because even in that continent, as huge as it is, it is. I, I see that. Uh, that that spectrum that very very wide spectrum between as you said the manager who will just want to you know spend the day with you and the, the 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 speed of business is 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 relatively slower but equally you know on that same continent i've got some of the most cutting edge recruitment businesses that uh, you mentioned mining as, as an example that really have to be up to speed because you know it's so buoyant you know it's so buoyant the supply the, sorry the demand there is so high um but it's great to speak with somebody that's got that global view I, I very rarely get that and people that i speak to in each of the you know continents it's hard for them to get a, a handle on is this really different you know they, they don't really get that so quite yeah. so much um amit listen I, I, your your answers in in, in that really really enlightening so thank you for that um, I'm keen now, Amit, to move you into our lightning round. So I've got to ask you the question. Amit, okay. are you ready for the lightning round? And how much time do I get to answer this? <laughs> the lightning round. Um, Amit, first question. What's the number one thing that you see holding recruiters back from being more successful? Uh, their, you know, the existing mindset about how things work, yeah, and yeah. Uh, you know, being fixated to it. It's good. Yeah, no, I, I think it's right, isn't it, that we, we limit ourselves. It, you know, it, it's, it's what's here. It's our belief. If you believe that you're not going to be able to do something, then chances are that's going to be true. I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. Number two, Amit, what is the best piece of business or recruitment advice you've ever received um, best piece of recruitment or business advice I've um, received okay uh, yeah so I think one of the best advice which I have rece received off late recently uh, last couple of months is that your instructions remain alive only in conversations so you need, if you have instructed something to your managers or to your team, yeah. you need to keep on ensuring that you recreate those conversations over and over again in order to ensure that 
they are actually achieved delivered brilliant it's funny it reminds me of that term expression i think you can expect what you inspect so there's got to be a measurement isn't there it's not just here's the instruction run with it i think yeah. there's got to be you know a real process behind it to expect that result you've got to have some kind of measurement and you've got to look for uh the the, the result as well good advice yeah. thank you um this is a great one to ask an innovator and somebody that's got his finger on the pulse of, of uh, technology as well. Um, Amit, something that you see working brilliantly, either in your, you know, personally, something that you use personally or something that IMS people use, but it could be, I don't know, a piece of software or an app on the phone or a hack, something that is working brilliantly for you right now. Something which is working brilliantly for me right now, a piece of technology or software. Oh, goodness, that's a tricky one. <laughs> Something which I used to use and I, I thought, I, I still believe it's brilliant, but I've sort of stopped using it, uh, is uh, the LifeScribe pen. I don't know whether you've heard about it. Tell me about, sorry, the, the, is it the LifeScribe pen? Yeah, so... It's yeah, it's an echo pen, but it's yeah, so it's called L I V E S C R I B E Livescribe. Okay, yes. I don't know whether you heard about it, Roy. I, I, I have heard about it, but I think for people that wouldn't, would you describe it to us? I can show you one. Please. I mean I love I, I love the fact that you kept it locked away. Yeah, that's why I said I was losing it actually. Ah, yes. You saw this? Yes, I have. It, 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 does it record as you write so as well? Does, this, is, this is a very nice uh, piece of equipment. You know, I saw somebody using it. And uh, so it's a pen. Yes. Yeah. But what it has got is, if you see inside here, I don't know whether you can, yeah. Inside here is actually uh, a camera. Okay. Yeah. And it has also got recording, voice recording. Okay. okay. So what you do is you turn on this pin. So I just, it's not charged, so it doesn't come on, but you turn on and then you start writing. But when you write, you actually write on uh, dot paper. Okay. So it's computerized paper. Uh, this pen will actually record uh, whatever you are writing. And it will also record the conversation which is going on while you're talking to that person in writing. And you can shift it onto your computer, so it's it's brilliant. It, it is brilliant, actually, and I I have seen it used in a couple of board meetings that I've been involved in. Yeah, um, I thought it was a superb tool because it does. It, it gets the whole it conversation. Amazing. It gets the whole conversation. You also have the notes to it. Yeah, and in fact, you know what's the best part of about it is, let's say it's loaded onto your computer. Yeah you can revisit your notes so while you're you know it, it will actually show you're writing this and while it is writing the voice is going on in the background so you can recollect your entire meeting as to what does this asterisk win over here so just go over there and play that piece of recording at that point in time fantastic the only reason i stopped using this was i actually changed my laptop so i moved on from a windows based computer to a mac based computer and uh, the next thing i know is that my pen 
at that point in time did not really have the softwares to actually talk to Mac. Okay. And after that, they did come out with versions with it, but then I sort of lost track of it. And so this is something which is very innovative. Amit, can you tell us how much in dollars that, that pen would be, dollars or pounds? I think it's uh, around $180, $190. Okay, it's really, really good. Um, we'll post a link to it below our sh show notes here, and I'll definitely look back. The other thing from your answer there, you've just answered a real dear dilemma question I've had in my business. Um, I've been PC for as long as computerization. Actually, okay. I'm recording this on a Mac, um, and yeah. I love Macs. I'm kind of, you know, everything else, I use an iPhone, etc. But the fact that Amit has just made that transition or recently made that transition to Mac, <laughs> that kind of seals it for me. I'm, I'm going to get rid of my laptop tomorrow. and, and so be That's your Christmas gift this I, year. <laughs> I think that's a very, very good idea, Amit. I think that's a very, very good idea. Um, so listen, thank you for the tip on, on um, conversion to Mac, but also the uh, the, the, the Leibscribe pen. Leibscribe. Okay, fantastic. We'll get the link to it. Um, Amit, question number four. What's the best business book that you've read in the last six months? Three Laws of Performance. Three Laws of Performance. And Amit, the author of that book? That book is by Steve... Zafron and Dave Logan. Steve Zafron and Dave Logan. Okay, we'll, again, we'll post up. I, I mean, I'm not familiar with that book. If you had to give me it's one... It's an amazing book. Okay. You need to read that as okay. well. Uh, so, you can actually go across and even uh, check their website. The name of the website is uh, Landmark Education. Okay. Uh, so, Landmark... Uh, so what Landmark actually does is, it actually does scientific research about philosophy mm -hmm. and um, psychology. Mm. And the blend of that discipline is something which is called, um, um, it's, it's a scientific term, I forget about it. Okay. So they did research on that for a number of years. They are, um, they are an acclaimed research back at Harvard as well. And they've got a research chair and everything over there. And they developed this program and they wrote this book, which is called The Three Laws of Performance. So in summary, what it says is that there are, you know, if you want to guarantee performance through your actions, you can actually influence and get that performance. There are just three rules to it. Mm. So it's one, two and three. So that's what this is. This book is all about. Amit, you drive me mad. This is another thing that I'm adding to my list of things for Christmas, but <laughs> I don't think Christmas will wait. I'm going to come off this call with you and order that book immediately for my Kindle. So uh, I will be doing that one. Thank you for that. It's a great, great tip. And again, we'll put the, the link to that book sure. um, and the website, Landmark Education, uh, uh, below this uh, below this this episode. Um Amit, my final question, sadly, actually, my final question to you in the lightning round. If you woke up tomorrow morning armed with all of the experience, all of the knowledge that you have, but IMS people wasn't there, God forbid, uh, but it wasn't there, what would you do to start all over again? I would, uh, in 
if if I were to be in this industry, presuming I'm going to be in this industry, I would actually do something. Uh, I would create a business model based on technology. And I've got a couple of ideas. <laughs> you, you don't really want to share them with us now, do you? <laughs> Yeah, so I've got a couple of ideas. So, you know, when when I really get the time, I need to actually put them together. Fantastic. But yes, it has to be something with technology. Fantastic. Fantastic. I mean, and I, I really I saw the wry smile. Those ideas are there, but they're staying firmly, <laughs> firmly locked until there's a an NDA signed for everyone that wants to know those ideas. I, I, I'm, I'm coming for you. Um, Amit, I um, I, I'm, I'm, I am actually genuinely very, very sad that we've come to the end of this interview because there's so much more that I'd love to ask you. Um, Amit, I, I'm, two final pieces. If there was a final piece of parting advice for any entrepreneur watching this episode or listening to it on iTunes, what would that advice be? And um, And finally, how can people get in touch with you after the show? How? What's the best way for people to um, to contact you? Uh, let me answer the the second one first. It's sure. easy. <laughs> uh, my email address. Uh, I, I'll uh, email you my email address, and you can share it with the viewers. That's very kind of you. We'll put it under again underneath the show notes. Thank you, Amit. Uh, and uh, happy for them to connect with me, ask me questions if at all. Or exchange notes. Thank you. Uh, coming back to my single piece of advice for entrepreneurs. Okay, uh, believe in yourself. Mm. I think that's really something which uh, I would tell them. There, there are you know a lot of people with some great ideas, phenomenal ideas in this world, and sometimes they're not successful. Mm -hmm. And it's not because um, other people do not believe them. It's because they stop believing in themselves and they get lost. So just believe in yourself. If you really got a great idea and you're applying yourself for your business, don't stop believing in yourself. Amit, what a what a bomb you know bombshell to kind of end on. That's a fantastic knowledge bomb, and I think really inspiring as well. Uh, you know, again, I totally totally subscribe to that. That that belief can waver and it often does you know we, we get tough times and challenges etc but if you can just keep that belief and other people will believe in you it's just keeping yourself going um we, we do get there you know we do get there um amit i've been so pleased on behalf of everybody in recruiters live lounge thank you so much for joining us today thank you so much it's my pleasure um, to everyone else that's listening, uh, you've been listening to Amit Samaya, CEO of IMS People uh, in the Recruiters Live Lounge. And for you to get episodes just like this, uh, to, to meet and hang out with some of the most inspiring recruitment entrepreneurs on our planet, please continue to subscribe. If you subscribe, there's no danger that you'll miss any episode. They'll be sent directly to your inbox. Until I see you again, take care. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Recruiters Live Lounge with Roy Ripper. Join us next time for more insights and incredible success journeys to help you be a better recruitment business leader. What would it 
feel like to get all of your back office administration done under one roof? EasyPay provide funding, payroll and back office services to support your recruitment business. EasyPay want to offer one month's free fees to any new customers who come through Recruiters Live Lounge. Just go to easypayservices.co.uk forward slash rec live lounge.